Howdy folks, it is Monday, February 20th, 2012. President's Day. Yeah, President's Day, yep. Who's your favorite president ever? Uh, oh, um, FDR. FDR. Yeah. My le- what's your, who's your least favorite president ever? Uh, Andrew Jackson. Oh, we have the same answers. Awesome. High five. Wow. High five. What do you wow. know? We're, we are not providing any kind of variety of opinion at all in the show. None. This is terrible. Whatever. This is terrible. Cheese and crow. No good. No, uh, but th- this, though. you know, this is uh, the Bad Dog Book Club, in case people were wondering. Yes. And it's episode 25B, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. Is that, That's our know, 50th first... episode. Oh, wow. Another 50th episode, peeps. That's pretty awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. We're still here. So well, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't still be here if people weren't paying attention to us and being like, responsive yes. and, and reading are. the stories. So. And, thanks, everybody. Yeah, so uh, FDR, because there's so many reasons why FDR. Oh, you know, don't write a love letter. I mean, come on now. Let's at least be okay, respectful. Okay, I'll just say, you know, New Deal, World War II, social welfare. There you go. All right. It's not a love letter. Andrew Jackson, <laughs> that would be going against the Supreme Court mm-hmm. and uh, fucking over the Cherokee. And the, um, and the American Violating genocide. treaties. Right, yeah, just because he felt like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, well. Yeah. Happy President's Day, everybody. Uh, yeah. Madison would be one of my least favorites as Some, well. Something I noticed the other day, first Republican president in history, one of the best. Yes. First Democratic president in history, one of the worst. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, That's hey, these true. things change. Gotta be independent. Madison, he's a good one. Pretty near Jackson, too, because his, his solution when faced with there is what is probably the first world war going on between England and France, or Britain and France, the Napoleonic Wars. Uh-huh. And he literally had to be talked by Jefferson and other people down from declaring war against them both. Wow. So, you know, and, there was, and he still, it was one of the most disastrous wars in U.S. history. You know, Washington was burned and... All these things did not go well. The invasion of Canada was repelled. Our biggest victory was very, right at the tail end of it after the peace treaty had already been signed. <laughs> um, won by Jackson, of course. Uh, but, I mean, it was a disaster from start to finish. And he almost declared war against Britain and France at the same time. That would have been pretty bad. Which would have been even worse. So, yeah, he, he's he's another one of my bottom votes. You know, my favorite uh, president... Buchanan's a bad one, too. Yeah, but that's my home state's only president until... 2012 when Rick Santorum, everybody. Oh, right. President. No, you know, I still remember, like, right after um, that Dan Savage article came out uh-huh. and he had to go uh, for re election in 2006, he wouldn't put his last name on his bumper stickers. They I said, remember. Rick 06. Yep. So, you yep. know, I'm going Rick 2012. Let's go, Rick. <laughs> Come on, Rick. Go, Rick. Not Perry. Not Perry. The other one. Rick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's going to win. Oh, dear. You know he's not. You've been telling me all afternoon there's no way he can win. Now that we're on the air, no, you're no, like, gonna oh, win, yeah, no, no, he's no, going to no, win. I'm saying he's going to win the nomination. I've been telling you I've been oh, okay. rooting for him to win the nomination, okay. right? But he right. can't. It's going to have this Barry Goldwater-esque kind of backlash effect on social mm-hmm. conservatism within mm-hmm. the Republican Party, I think, if he does get nominated and he get crushed. My family's cabin, we still have a, on the, on the shelf above one of the windows, we have a can of Goldwater. They actually <laughs> sold it as, like, a gimmick during the election campaign. Goldwater. As they made... 
like aluminum, like soda cans, sort of, or like beer cans, like gold water, yeah. With water in them. Yeah. Isn't there a story we read this week? We did read a story this week. Yeah, attachments by Hawkwell. Normally, that's my job. (laughs) Now that now that we uh, now that we're back on track and being responsible. Normally, I'm we do have a job. Normally, I'm the responsible one. So this is good. But I like this story, and I want to talk about it. I do too. I'm glad you like it. Uh, uh, How this story came to us uh, was, you know, one of the things that we've talked about doing is one of the things we like to do at the Bad Talk Book Club here is bring out new authors. We also like to call attention to new books coming out. Uh-huh. And so this is the case here. We have a new book coming out. Uh, and Rechan, who edits the book for us, was kind enough to send... Uh, I told him, pick out a story, send it our way. Uh-huh. Um, if I like it, we'll run it. I read it. I loved it. So what book is this in? Uh, this anthology is called Will of the Alpha, Tales of Erotic Bondage. Oh, wow. How dominant. Well, of course. I mean, it was a rather dominant story. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Of course not, but I mean, it sounds especially it's, dominant. I like I it. I I'm probably was... going to buy this book. It comes out at the end of this month, next week, actually. But how? But I'm just saying, like, this is a will of the alpha. Doesn't that doesn't that sound like triumph of the will? Something like that. I was going to sound like that whole. I was going to say it sounds way more like a trashy romance novel, like one of those torso novels, where you just have the person's enormous pecs on the cover and like Will of the Alpha and he's all like pecs and she's all like she's pressed up against his chest like, pressed oh, up against her, her hair waving his enormous pecs yeah, yeah I know what you mean yeah so I like it I approve I mm-hmm. think that I think the title works for the story uh, so yeah this is, so this is Attachments by H.A. Kirch who's also maybe more commonly known as Hawk Wolf he, I've seen him post by both uh, Hawk Wolf so Hawk Wolf and he's sort of a, a leathery, bondagey wolf. And he has this great, like, uh, dog sort of mask on his, like, Twitter profile and stuff. Which is oh, like a oh, so he, he does the gear stuff. He's yeah, big into he the gear. Yeah, he does gear stuff. Okay, yeah, because we got a lot cool. of gear in this story, too. That's the first thing I noticed. This story, was, yeah. Okay, we've done, I think, like, stories that have to do with domination and submission before. We never, never really addressed bondage. And bondage yes. is, like, I think that's a primary way that's usually addressed in, like, most people's practical sex lives. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Is that mm-hmm. they just you know, go to bondage. But we never really had all that um, much bondage and, like, uh, gear fixation yeah, we in haven't. our stories, have we? We haven't, yeah. Do you like the gear thing? Because to a degree, the gear thing turns me off. I like it personally myself. You know, we do a little of that. This is good. You, you bun, own some stuff. You bun have some has products. his headphones on right now, so I can talk about this without getting oh, in trouble. Earmuffs. So, yes, uh, but no, I mean, we do a little bit. Part of me, though, it's like, it's a lot of work, you know? You have to, like, stop what, I mean, I'm... I'm you have to treat the leather. You know, I'm a, I'm a... I like to have sex. I, I don't really care either. I mean, I like it in general, and so mm-hmm. I like getting to that. And I was like, oh, man, we have to stop and do all this work. And sometimes that's fun. And you have sometimes to get the motor I, started. Sometimes I don't... Replace the batteries, right, maybe. Exactly. Sometimes I, I don't want to do all the work. So I, I, I it doesn't turn me off, though, and, and I like doing it sometimes. But I don't. we don't have, like, a huge, elaborate... You know, we don't have anything hanging from ceilings or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We're pretty... We're, we're more basic level of tying up and but bondage. what this story kind of represents is that to a degree because that's what this guy's body is mm-hmm. is this kind of represented in that sense is it being like the ultimate in gear fixation he even, yeah. he even goes out of his way to say at some point that some people get chopped he says yeah. to be able to to 
you know, have these kind of amputees, but he had gotten it, you know, through an accident. Gotten it through an accident. Yeah. But it, I think it's um, I, I just like this story because I thought it just very succinctly represents just a lot of furry concepts, like things like switching between personalities and yes. having the sort of kind of inter- interchangeability mm-hmm. with um, representation. Which is represented in the story in a very literal way. I mean, they, they, that's kind of futurist as well. So it goes right. like slightly into the future, just so it can kind of meet us halfway. Mm-hmm. Represent the story represented in a very literal way within the story itself. But in our daily lives, it's kind of a a um, theoretical thing, I guess, so to speak, because we're kind of switching between these personalities and representations of ourselves. Because like, I mean, well, I think it's I... not just like our human selves and our furry selves, but then like they're often different furry selves that lots of people have. Sometimes, like how many people do you know with multiple personas? Yeah, I mean, there's there's that too, but I think one of the things the story talks about is not even in furry, but in general, one of the um, attractions of role playing and then bondage. On top of that, uh, for a lot of people, is you is this kind of opportunity to uh, lose control and you know become a different person or be in a different mental space. Mm-hmm. I think there's uh, a, a and this story really it's it's a neat way to get to that idea in a story. I think you know or to express this basic kind of concept of bondage and then to explain that in the in this particular way in the mm-hmm. story. Well, sometimes when you're trying to get somebody somebody to see something as something more than just what it is immediately, like mm-hmm. see the bondage as something more than just a way of tying somebody's arms right. up, a more like a way of thinking about hierarchies and power positions, whatever. It's it can help sometimes to break it down to as literal and graphic a representation mm-hmm. as you can. And a guy who is able to like be completely delimbed mm-hmm. by his partner and then you know redressed into um, a pony play yeah. outfit. Yeah, I mean it, it's kind of hard to, to not be smacked with the. The, the, the metaphor in it or so. Well, right. Well, bondage is, I mean, it, it's it's the literal, you know, tying up and into the mental, tying up into the mental freedom. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and this gets literally played out. You know, what, what happens inside the head gets literally played out in the story. Right. Uh, again, so yeah, it's, it's a neat way to kind of show how this works. And I think it's applicable. It's a good way of explaining to people who may not have done a lot of bondage why this is appealing, which I thought was kind of neat. Too. Okay, so you've done a lot of bondage, right? In some, you've done, anyway, you've done yeah. more, If you've done some, you've done more yeah. than I have. Yeah. Then. Okay, explain to me why bondage is so great then. I think we just have. I think we, you know, it, because it provides this mental space and freedom while you're in while the you're moment. tied up, well, you yeah. see, I'm claustrophobic, so I think of that, and I'm I just immediately panic at the idea of. Being well, there was restrained. a little of that in the story too. That's that's an issue that gets addressed in the story, and that it's kind of scary. But there is, I think, a little bit of a provided you're with somebody you trust. You know, there's a freedom that comes from giving over control to somebody else to that extent. Yeah. That and you're no longer responsible, they're responsible for you. And in some ways, that's sort of empowering in this freedom for in this moment. It gives people a sense of being carried or supported, I feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of felt as if um, that was sort of a an, under, an underlining in most religious messages that people missed, was this idea of people basically giving themselves up to a higher power mm-hmm. that is, you know, otherworldly. And it just fills in that space of things. It is a leather bondage that, wolf. 
Right. A leather bondage wolf. Yeah, well, some people might just be worshiping <laughs> leather bondage wolf and there's like an alternate furry, you know, I, I, iconog- iconographic future religion. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. But, <laughs> but, it, it, but I think that's kind of maybe like, I think this is like a, a thing that people have been trying to fulfill in their private lives in a way, like, and you see that maybe just in church participation in past times, and maybe just in, like, a kind of a different representation in modern ways, it's represented as this kinky, weird well, that's domination actually, submission thing. Now that you mention that, I think Leo's reaction, um, in some ways, it reminds me of accounts I've read. I mean, I, as you know, anthropology, um, and... I've done a lot of anthropology of religion, and his reactions, you know, aren't so different in some ways from people who are, you know, caught by the spirit, um, who go into really? trances or speak in tongues. Yeah, it's hmm. it's not in control of your body, um, you know, and, and when they're speaking, they're babbling, they're drooling, they're yelling. You know, Leo's doing that. So Leo's basically a and, and one of the expressions i read is it's like being picked up by god and thrown down and you just kind of totally in god's power and Mm. you kind of get thrown down in this this ecstatic moment you know people convulse they pass out it's a very physical experience yeah exactly and you're, you're taken by the spirit in this moment and this is kind of like that i mean when he when he comes it's how it's written is in this way that's very kind of this rush of sensations and motions all at once that don't that are they're so overwhelming. It's a revelatory. That he it kind of revelatory basically heaves and thrashes and almost passes out. Uh, and that sounds a lot like you know being in this kind of Pentecostal, being caught by this spirit and, and thrown around and. In this ecstasy. So I think you might have be onto something there. And now we're definitely going to hell for that. But I think it's an interesting <laughs> observation that I could make as an anthropologist that maybe this is... Maybe people into bondage and people into religions that have this are fulfilling the same kind of emotional needs. Not so far apart, in, really. In very different ways. But they're, they're, they're going to the same place from different approaches. And don't you think, like, your classic Dom um, archetype is kind of similar to your classic mm-hmm. pastor archetype? Yeah. The kind of, like, ability to step in and lead a, a flock yeah. and, you know, show the, the right paths. Well, and that's week. what pastors in these, I mean, they lead their people to these states. And that's what our dom is doing here. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, you could make an but he's kind of an unwilling dom, there. right, at first, isn't he? I think this is our paper, though. This is our paper. You gotta write this up. I'm not gonna write this paper. Oh, okay. <laughs> Come on, now. It's an interesting... I'll write this paper. <laughs> I, think, I think we got something here, actually. So basically what we're saying is that all, I'll, I'll, all I'll religious people you are secret, afterwards. submissive bitches. That's not how I And this will be a very That's popular not exactly interpretation of the but that would presidential probably... election. That would probably, you know, get publicity. So that's good. Because <laughs> on Fox News, at least I'm sure. By the way, well, we're probably. But I think this next this week. is why, if you were looking at this story, this is why you'd say here's here's what the appeal is, um, because I think the story really gets to the ex- the ecstatic moment that is possible in doing this mm-hmm. for some people. It's a very, and I'm not saying it's for any everyone because I don't think it is, but for oh, some no, there's people. Oh, there's an immediate turnoff here for a lot of people, mm-hmm. which is basically yeah. just amputee pulp, and you know that's going to be like a flashbulb off for a lot of people. No offense mm-hmm. there, but what I really liked about this story was 
if you even were just just to separate it from the sexual satisfaction you're supposed to yes. get from it, if that's you know, kind of mm-hmm. your thing, if you're not more, more comfortable with it, I just thought it was a great representation of all these things. Themes, yeah. just a very well written piece. Well, that's why I feel told- like why well, I, I put me in a different headspace to just at least examine a different mindset, even if it wasn't quite clicking in the sexual overtones. Right. Well, and that's why you know said in my I had a little preface to the reading last week and I said you know it's challenging and there may be things that are difficult for you to listen to but you should it's a human character but you should because it's well, I mean like, not a human character it's a furry character but with, with, with like real humanity to it a personality yeah, and it's like, these, exploitative. Are, these are both really real people and and that's one of the things I like about this story is that this is a situation that we really get to watch them work out what they're going to do here. And they're not perfect. I mean, you could probably say, you know, the best thing for them or the healthiest thing for them to do would be sit down and talk about what things mean or something like that, you know, which would be a terrible start. But it's a real reaction to kind of fumble through and figure this out as they go. Um, it makes for a better story, but I think it's also it's also makes them more human, as you said, or more real yeah. because this is what happens a lot of the time is that you know, people figure these things out about themselves from jumping off the deep end and trying it out and doing it. Yeah, I tell you what, I would not trust myself to create such a respectable representation of a, of, a, of something like this mm-hmm. that was so I don't know. Um, I don't want to say like out there, but just different, it is. Different. No, I think that's that's the point too, because as you said, you know, is so this, there would have been a bridge in understanding. Is this amputation porn, which in a lot of ways is so it was definitely weird and reviling, I mean, you couldn't say it but isn't. right, it does it in a way that doesn't feel it, like it's exploitative. It doesn't it, right, feel like exactly. it's minimizing it. It feels like it's just a, a a character that you know. I mean, there are clearly people out there are sexually active and mm-hmm. you know missing limbs. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, this know. feels in a way that it's natural and how it could happen as if these are real people. And as he said, not in an exploitive way, in a matter of fact. Yeah, how, did, how would somebody negotiate this in the near future when hopefully we can do these things? Yeah, and that's definitely a represent, representation of problems that people struggle with today. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the other things I think that is that I like about the story is that that aspect of it makes it a hopeful story. Uh-huh. I think in a way, you know, for anybody who... What's the future? And like, they have these perfect disabilities. body yeah. parts. That, you know, saying it... And saying, you know, it's not perfect, but here, here are people that have worked it out. And so that kind of makes it a, a kind of neat and optimistic story about the future with just on the, just on a small level but well, I, there's I enjoyed so many ways to too. interpret that too not just as someone who's like miss, missing a limb and is getting it replaced but like my, my partner uh, went deaf mm-hmm. due to uh, chemotherapy treatment mm-hmm. due to childhood cancer and, ha- and can hear because of a cochlear implant right and even that you know it kind of, it's not like I don't want to say like it plays into our, our sexual mm-hmm. life because like I'm like you know like oh now you can't hear haha so sexy but like you know he'll take his CI off and like even that just Changes the dynamic changes of the, yeah. what we're doing in bed, basically. Yeah, it's just this—it's just a natural effect of you know, uh, comp- compensating for a limitation the body has, a limitation yeah. the body has developed. And it's—it's it's an optimistic story too, because Leo has so much agency in it. You know, he has as and he's even stops at one point and says, "You know, don't 
before you get all sympathetic and feel sorry for me, you know, I said, this is, you know, in a way, this is, you know, yes, it was a terrible situation and I never wanted to do again, but in a way, this is also an opportunity for me to see this other side of myself, or this is a way for him to partially come to terms with what happened mm-hmm. by becoming something else. So it's people, you know, in this moment, you know, through having crazy sex, but that helps figure out how the rest of their life works, which I think was a nifty thing, too. I think it's a good example of somebody, yeah, somebody coming to, to terms with maybe a medical issue and a sexuality a part of that. And I don't want to pick on Alfor, but I think a, like a much more tender representation than we might have seen in an example like a story like his, which mm-hmm. just seemed like it was like a cold water effect where the mm-hmm. guy's still in the hospital mm-hmm. and there isn't really all that much of an explanation for what the character's motivations are and they seem kind of, you know, thin and un- unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But in this one, everything is just much more well and humanely developed and it just seems like you're getting a much more intimate peek into maybe like a real-life situation is being handled with um, proper care. I think it's you've got two very, very different uh, writing styles here between Hawkwolf and Alfor, where, um, and I like them both. Uh, but I would, you know, just these are broad characterizations, you two, so. Oh, so that's my vibrator. Uh, yeah. So these are very broad characterizations, you two, no offense intended. Uh, but, you know, Alfor I see as somebody who you know, in general, has a cooler tone to his writing. You yeah, know, this is much cooler, more severe. Whereas Hawkwolf, his stories are emotional to the point of extreme sometimes. The emotions are often right on the surface and right on the character's sleeve, but they don't come... I mean, it, it works because the characters don't always understand what the emotions mean. Which I think is one of the kind of real things about them. So if you... I know you haven't read a lot of Hawkwolf stories. I basically read all of his stories. And right. Sometimes they're a little tough for me to get through. Um, but if he has kind of an overarching theme in his work, it's that people have to fight to learn who they are. Mm-hmm. And as as people, as individuals, as sexual beings, that they that it is not an easy process for them to discover who they are, and they have to fight and push, and it's uncomfortable, and they fight against themselves, and they fight against other things. So there's a struggle in coming to an identity, basically. Yeah, yeah, but it is a real struggle, and that's on that's right on the that's right there, right on the top layer of all of the stories of this. Tense struggle, and a lot of times his characters are very conflicted um, about everything they're doing. I was even teasing him about it on Twitter because mm-hmm. <laughs> character. But this, and and so in some ways, I think this is one of the sweetest, tenderest stories he's done, actually, because the characters are so honest with each other and honest with themselves, so. and they f- help each other out so well um and you know they end up i mean the the fox you know crying in the dog's arms you know Uh and it's this moment which happens too if you if you've done bondage as as the 
and orphans have been built up by, you know, bondage or, you know, spanking or whatever. And, and as you come down from your release, as you come down from the moment, it, it leaves this sort of strange, in some ways empty, but powerful feeling behind. Like Which again goes back to the religious thing. Yeah, catharsis, thank you. I knew it was going to get there somewhere. Thank you. Um, and, and you kind of get to that and it leaves you sometimes shaking or crying and you're not unhappy but you're so emotionally exhausted mm-hmm. and I, I thought that was a very nice moment in the story and an accurate moment in the story and what really impressed me in this story if you like see me like rubbing my shoulder like the entire time we've been here mm-hmm. not every story can do this but uh Sometimes, like just, I, I, just what a description and a story can start making me squirm bodily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, you can't do this just by making some kind of like grotesque, visceral description of something being being disemboweled or something like that. But mm-hmm. the image of when he was he was uh, when Leah was explained to, to Derry uh, why he couldn't be tied up. Yeah, and when he said something along the lines of, "Oh, it could be, be- it could uh, if you mm-hmm. bent it too far back, it could bend break, uh, break my bones,", my bones. Yeah. and he said it's stronger than I am. Yeah, I don't know. Just for some That's reason, a that message. Line. Yeah, because yeah. just the me- like the uh, image of having like a steel rod yeah. or something in your arm and having it bent, and, like snapping your shoulder. I don't know. That's had me squirming ever since I read yeah. it. Like I just uh, and I, it's that's you can get such an a, a, a physically affecting mm-hmm. image and line in your stories. That's always a, a, a astounding. I think. Yeah. Well, it's such a beautiful line to say. It's stronger than I am because mm-hmm. it works on. All these levels, um, and I like uh, I like our our Beauceron friend. That's how you say it, right? That's how I Beauceron, read it. So. Yeah. See, only the second Beauceron I've ever seen in furries. Yeah. I forgot uh, Beauceron was like Doggio. Yeah. Do you think he started that? Doggio started the Beauceron phase, maybe or craze. I had uh, one of my sister's friends had a Beauceron. That was a big. Are this real dogs? Tough dog. Yeah, they're real. Yeah, I mean, are they this like, guy? Are they like, junkyard this dogs? Girl's, well, they could be this girl's dad was like in the mafia or something so um, yeah and it was a dog to protect his daughter know, the, and wife yeah, I see, I see. you know when he was out so yeah i mean they're they're big tough dogs i like he how he's trying to figure this out and he's very human too because he's he goes from all in the same moment you know he's horrified and fascinated this line and really, horny i think and, i'm handling this well I yes, think I'm handling this well, he, right? And I think he is, you know, but he's... He, yeah, he, he's pro- he probably is handling it. it well. I, I think, think it's he is handling it. it really because he didn't run out the door, which, as we know from what Leo's mm-hmm. kind of said, has happened before. So he really is handling a huge amount of stuff well. And he, But I love how he has all these things happening in his head at once. So he's really mm-hmm. horny. I mean, he keeps, you know, playing with himself, like, <laughs> ten seconds after being, like almost sick because it was so horrible and going right. back and, and point, forth. You can't watch him putting on the donger. Yeah, and he's kind of cute because you get the feeling that, you know, Leo's probably smarter than he is um, in, in some ways or a little more with it, you know, because he's had to be, maybe. Well, he's um, more, but he's, and, he's uh, trying and he's really working at it and I think they work well together. You know, I, it's one of these stories where, you know, sometimes you get to the end of the story because I'm such a romantic. Sometimes I get to the end of the story I'm like, they should start I hope dating. these guys... Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. And this they is were a good one. Out. They yeah. were going out. Like, I really hope this couple goes, you know, the distance, because they, they went so well together. That ought to be a Blue Ribbon Prize And that also doesn't like, happen. You get to that end and like, well, they really should be dating. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Blue Ribbon. And that doesn't show. also happen very often in a Hawkwell story, you know, because usually, the, you know, a story's gone around, like, 
you know, fucking people and then beating himself up about it later on. And you know, oh, that was a little rough. So sounds like Rick Santorum. It. <laughs> oh no. Rick, Rick Santorum's new erotic Hot adventures. Yeah. Hot Wolf, forgive me for for. for... Uh, implying this, but it was a fun theory. What if Rick Santorum is Hawkwolf? Wow. Oh, I. My... And, his, and, his, and his super secret secret is he's a furry. <laughs> and nobody knows. Rick Santorum is a leather bonded furry. That's why he you know, pictures himself in the gear. What species do you think Rick Santorum is? God, if he's something tiny and pathetic. I'd say possum. Possums are kind of cute, though. Possum. So he can be. I mean, you can, your furry character can be as cute as you want it to be, even All if you right. are Rick Santorum. Okay. That's the beauty of it. All right, I guess. You can have an adorable possum character. Um. Anyway, well, I'm glad. I'm so glad you enjoyed this story because I read it and I was. And I'm was glad blown to be back. Away. By the way, it was. Yeah. How was your uh, vacation? No, it was a good trip. You know, we uh, hung out with mom and dad and my sister. We I went skiing for the fourth and fifth times in my life. Up at Winter Park, and that's that's a big. I mean, it's a big resort up there, but that's where all the Colorado people go, basically. So you know, like the the turistas, you know, go to Vail and Aspen, and the Colorado people go to Winter Park. And you told me something funny about the Denver local news, and I didn't want you to tell oh, me yeah. too, because I thought it was so funny. Well, when we were out there, I mean, Denver's a big city, right? You know, it's like over a million people in the metro area, and it's One the, of the biggest city, largest. I mean, it's the biggest centers. city for hundreds and hundreds of miles, so it's a very important city in the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their local news is the funniest. I mean, it's the like most backward. I mean, I feel like every time I'd come downstairs or whatever, and mom or dad would be watching the news, they'd be like, "And here's a dog that can do backflips," and they'd spend like <laughs> ten minutes discussing the dog and how it does backflips. Or how things, many dogs do do backflips? Things on that level, you know. I mean, it'd come down and there'd be nothing of any import. It'd just be like, "Well, look at that. Here's a little girl who who painted a you know whatever, and, and here's a dog that does backflips." Denver's third biggest industry: human interest. Apparently, and it was the funniest thing. I mean, it was like great, you know, more power to him. But it was like, how is that? Does anything happen? Here? And we want to be an international city. I mean, I know you're all on medical marijuana, and, and maybe that's the demographic they're aiming for. But it was like, wow, guys, this is—it was really funny. But uh, oh, and of course, you know, we did the podcast. Mm-hmm. Did the podcast with Soren? Uh, well. Uh, it was great, by the way. Thanks, you guys, for... It was a great discussion. Oh, good. I'm glad to yeah, get I the, didn't the, ask, the I tips hadn't and the comments. And... Listened to it, yes. Yeah, so I, hadn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard your reaction after you listened to it, so it's nice that you appreciated it. And I think and in the future we should We had a be, great dinner with them. We had a great dinner with them. And, and uh, then, you know, Soren and I did the podcast, and Soren's uh, partner entertained Bun and mm-hmm. played games and stuff. So yeah, and then we hit the hot tub, and that was very nice. So great hospitality. And yeah, we got to discuss your story. I think we were pretty good. I mean, it was a good story, you know. So you were Thank like, you. "Well, don't say everything positive," and we didn't. <laughs> a few points, but it was mostly positive because it was a really good story. It's, I was just worried that you would only want to say nice things about yeah. it because you're always so nice to me. Now I, here, I gotta say, I I really can't think of. Anything very negative to say about Hawk Wolf story? I confess. Well, me neither, really. Because it was basically just about perfect in my yeah, book. I mean, I published that any day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great. So I'm glad it is being published, and I'm glad you guys got to hear it. So hopefully, go, go pay for it now. Yeah, go pay for it now. Um, cool. But yeah, so I, we we liked yours, and I think like it, like uh, 
I, I thought Soren, you know, the most interesting one was, you know, not enough was done to establish Biscuit's character. Yeah, and I thought first. about that after the fact. And it's but definitely that's true. true. I think it's one of these. Make that mistake. Well, and, I think it's one of these things that happens too because we have this character who is to some de- who is synonymous with the person. Yeah, you know, and so you're partially going on the char- the meta character's reputation or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so that was it was an interesting thing, and one of the I, I, I don't know I like that we haven't talked a lot about one of these things that comes out of. I'd like to do that with you sometimes, figure out, you know, discuss a story that has real people, quote-unquote, in it, and the pitfalls and problems that arise therein. What I really enjoyed was just listening to you and Soren talk, because you guys uh, banter well, I mm. thought. It was always a you know, lively discussion. That's good. Unless we just edited that way, was it? Uh, no, I really didn't uh, do much editing for it. I just got it up there, so. All right. Yeah. Good times. Good. Well, that's right. You just tossed it up. Yeah, I just it tossed live, it up because I didn't have all my stuff there. So that's even more impressive. You guys did a great job. Yeah, I thought. Thank you. No, yeah, no, I did uh, pretty basic editing. I cut out a couple parts, um, but that was it. So. And the fist fight in the middle after. I did cut out. He said that the Yankees were going to win the upcoming championship, and mm, oh my god, you just couldn't stand for that. The Rockies. You're like, fans. wait, it's not baseball season. What's going on? And then we put down our fists and let bygones be bygones. <laughs> like time makes fools of us all. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, so I believe you'd picked out a story for us to read next week, right? I think we should read Fox News by Roddy because it has um like political um like overtones and like it's um kind of a presidential election coming up. All right, soon. all right, and, so, and you like the politics, yeah. Yeah, I'm and Ronnie will cool. harass us until we read it. I'm <laughs> yeah, sure he will. Too. <laughs> oh, We're gonna talk about Ronnie's see. awful reputation. Poor for Ronnie gives him such a hard time. He's like, or he's gonna be at Free Fiesta. Alex Vance, aka Khaki Dog, our executive producer, is actually guest of honor at Furry Fiesta and is being flown out cool. there, so he will be leaving for the States on Wednesday. Applaud for Khaki Dog. Applaud, Applaud for Khaki, Khaki Dog. So, you know, we won't be there, but give him our best. Uh, you know, get him to sign your boob. Uh, which? <laughs> either which? one, right or left, it doesn't matter. You know, which, uh, he'll do it. Just, you know, go up with a pen and, you know, pull down the top a little. Get him to sign your coccyx. <laughs> there you go. Why aren't you getting a fursuit? suitors are the furry drag queens, basically. Yes, yes. You're getting a fursuit, aren't you? I've got fur. I want to start You've working on it. you got fur for a fursuit. I do. Yeah. So uh, I think that's going to be fun. So, you know, Ronnie and, and Khaki have fun at Furry Fiesta. We're going to... Khaki is going to be at Furry Fiesta, so you can't read Ronnie. So you said you might read it, right? Yeah, I'll read it. You want to read it? Okay. Yeah, I think... Did you read the story? I, I sent it to you a while ago. I thought I you would like it just because it has this long monologue about sex and discourse. Okay. And I think it would be... Not, oh, discourse. The D word. All right. All right. All right. All right. What? Discourse and dialectics. Oh. Uh, which one's worse? Discourse. Discourse is worse than dialectics? Yeah. Yeah. Discourse is the best. Okay. All right. So Foucault would be proud. <laughs> oh yeah, drop the F bomb in the podcast. Why, yeah, dog. Why, why? Foucault. Oh, All right. Dear. With that, do you have anything else to add? No, I'm good. Oh, it's good to be back. Good to do yeah, the podcast glad with to be you back. again. Glad to and have you up to here. We're gonna feed you and we're gonna watch Doctor Who episodes. So. Mm-hmm. Good time. Yeah, thank so you, Hawkwolf. The nerd gauntlet. 
Hawkwolf, awesome story. One of my favorites that I think we've done, uh, honestly, on Whoa, the podcast. Fun. So it was a perfect 25th Amazing. episode. Nice milestone. Rich Hand, thank you for picking this one up. We'll have to do another one of yours too soon, buddy. And uh, we will see you next week. Arrivederci. Arrivederci.